This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, Johannesburg. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a great shot in the house and give him a great big praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. And good morning to all of you in the overflow rooms. So glad you are with us on this very special weekend where we discuss understanding and dealing with the operation of demons. All right then, let's begin. We're going to continue from where we left off our previous part four. This is part five in our series. Once a month we deal with supernatural. And uh, we spoke about the lady that was an evangelist and a singer, and the devil came to her and said to her, sat on her shoulder, a demon did, and said to her, you are a beautiful woman, and in the world you could have had fame and fortune. And eventually she entertained this thought, uh, this devil, and she became obsessed by this thinking. And the demon entered into her life, and you remember the story. So if you want to know what actually happened to that woman, please go and listen to part four in the series online. Okay, you can go to our website. Now, Jesus showed Kenneth Hagin in that same vision a man getting possessed by a demon as well. We can talk about that now. A demon came and spoke to a particular man. The man who received the idea became obsessed with the idea, just the same as the woman did in the first vision. The demon then entered the man's head. And Kenneth Hagin says, I saw something on the top of his head open up like a lid, it resembled a lid, and then 19 large flies entered into that hole on the top of his lid, his head into his head. Now, let's go to Matthew 12, then verse 22, and talk about these flies. Then one was brought to Jesus, who was a was demon possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. So the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Now according to Unger's Bible Dictionary, Beelzebub means dung god or god of flies. God of flies. Now, Strong's number 954 talks about it. God of the flies. Jesus then said to Kenneth Hagin, go ahead and cast the demons out. Kenneth Hagin said, you unclean demons, I command you, come out in the name of Jesus. And he saw the top of the man's head open up again, and all the demons flew out. Kenneth Hagin asked Jesus if he he should send the demons to hell or to the pit. 
And Jesus answered Kenneth Hagin and said, if, I, if that were possible, if that were possible, I would have done so to all the demons I cast out when I was on the earth. And then Jesus quoted this verse to Kenneth Hagin. That's why the demons asked if I had come to torment them before the time when I was on the earth in Matthew 8, verse 29. So there's a time that the demons will be cast into fires of hell. They have been judged by God when Jesus rose from the dead. But they, you might say, on death row, as it were, waiting to be executed. And the time had not come when Jesus walked the earth, and the time has still not come. So we cannot cast demons to hell. If people do that, it's just wasting their time. They go through dry places seeking rest and finding none, according to Matthew 12, 43. So when demons enter a person, that person will take on the character and the nature of that demon. For example, if someone has a spirit of fear, they'll be acting fearful all the time. Spirit of lust, spirit of lust will drive that person to do things they would not normally do. Lying, spirit of lying, spirit of adultery, spirit of fornication, the spirit of homosexuality, the spirit of hatred, the spirit of alcohol. All these demons and their others will influence the person that they're in to take on the character of that demon. And you'll see the demon activity in them. Those who open the door to demons very often find a demon taking hold of a body organ of theirs. For example, smoking could open the door for the devil to take a hold of someone's lungs, which might cause cancer. While Jesus was talking to Kenneth Hagin, a demon began to distract him. A demon stood next to Jesus and began to shout and jump up and down. And Kenneth Hagin could not understand what Jesus was saying. Jesus was talking to Kenneth Hagin, all right. He could hear the sound of his voice, but couldn't make out one word he was saying. And uh, he began to get concerned about it because he desperately wanted to hear what Jesus was talking about. He thought, why doesn't Jesus stop the demon? Doesn't Jesus know I can't understand what he's saying? I can't distinguish the words. Why doesn't he do something about it? And Kenneth Hagin thought, I've got to understand what Jesus is saying. He became so desperate that finally Kenneth Hagin shouted at the demon and said, in the name of Jesus, shut up. And the demon fell on the floor and lay there shaking like a whipped puppy. And Kenneth Hagin said again, get up and get out of here in the name of Jesus. Immediately, Jesus said to Kenneth Hagin, if you had not done that, I couldn't. I couldn't tell the demon to stop. And Kenneth Hagin said to Jesus in reply, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't hear what you said. You said you wouldn't tell the demon to stop, didn't you? 
And Jesus said, no. I said, I couldn't have told that demon to stop from distracting you. Then Kenneth Hagin replied, sorry, Lord, my hearing is definitely playing up. You said you wouldn't stop the demon, didn't you? And Jesus said again, no, I said I couldn't. Again, Kenneth Hagin said to him the third time, Lord, there appears to be something wrong with my hearing. You said you wouldn't stop the demon, right? And Jesus said very firmly the third time, no, I said I couldn't stop the demon from harassing you if you hadn't done what you did. And Kenneth Hagin said to Jesus, now even though I'm speaking to you face to face, I want you to give me three scriptures to prove what you are saying is correct. You see, family, the Bible tells us out of two or three witnesses that every truth be established. And we must remember, more than anything else in life, the word is final authority. The word is final authority over every vision you ever might have or anything that anybody might say or any voice you hear. The word of God is final authority. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's John chapter 1, verse 1. And verse 14 says, the Word took on flesh and dwelt among us. So in the beginning was the Word. It's all about the Word, family. The beginning is the Word, and the end is the Word. Hallelujah. Jesus did not get mad at Kenneth Hagin for asking for three scriptures. In fact, he smiled sweetly and said, I'll give you four scriptures. And then he said, there's no place in the New Testament that tells the believer to ask God to chase the devil. Jesus said, and I and the Father have done all we're ever going to do about the devil until we put him in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Jesus said, the first scripture is Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Jesus quoted that scripture to Kenneth Hagin, and then he said, Through my death, burial, and resurrection, I received all authority in heaven and on earth. And immediately, I gave the church the right to use this authority when I said, go therefore. So when Jesus said to the church, go therefore, I have all authority, go therefore, he is clearly saying, you can use that authority. The second scripture to prove that we have the right to command demons and that Christ gave it to us is James 4, 7. It says, resist, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It didn't say I'll flee from God. It didn't say God must resist the devil. It didn't say pray and ask God to chase the devil. It said you speak to the devil and he'll flee from you. Jesus said, you resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. 
Number three, uh, number three rather. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. This is Peter the Apostle speaking. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now some folks think the devil is a roaring lion. He's not. He's imitating a roaring lion. There's only one lion. That's Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So he comes to scare us like a roaring lion. But what does the Bible say? The very next verse says, in verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. So remember this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. Above all, that means most importantly, first of all, before everything else, faith will stop Satan. So develop your faith, family. We're going to need that in these end times. Resist the devil with your faith, the shield of faith. He said, resist him steadfast in the faith, right here in verse 9. Then Jesus said to Gethagin, you must resist him with your faith. All right, the fourth scripture is Ephesians 4.27. Neither give place to the devil. Now, that means it's up to you to give him place or not to give him place. For example, if somebody's going to sit in that chair over there and the deacon says, that's Pastor Biff's chair, that means you can sit in it, but don't sit in it because Pastor Biff wants to sit in that chair. So Jesus is telling us here when he quoted that verse to Kenneth Hagin, Ephesians 4.27, you can give a devil the right to attack you, but don't do it. Don't do it. You have the right to stop him, in other words. He didn't say, I'll stop him. He said, you stop him. Neither give him, neither give place to the devil. Number five. Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs have followed those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Who will cast them out? God? No, they. And these signs have followed those who believe. This is talking about brand new baby Christians. And Jesus said to Kenneth Hagin, the first thing a baby believer Christian can do is cast a demon out in my name. The first thing. So every brand new baby Christian has authority over demons. And I'll come back to Kenneth Hagin in a minute. Let me just say this, please. One thing we must always remember when we deal with Satan, we are dealing with someone who has been stripped of his authority. Someone who has been dethroned off of his throne as the archangel. Someone who is totally defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that when you deal with him. He has no authority at all. He uses your own authority to attack you. See, we can give him authority to attack us or stop him by stepping into his traps and partaking of things that he offers us that become the forbidden fruit in our lives. We partake of those things and Satan attacks us.
uses our authority against us. All right, go to Colossians 2, verse 15. The Bible says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Christ made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now this is talking about demons and evil spirits. Having disarmed these powers and authorities that we read about in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Disarmed the devil. Triumphing over them. How? Through the cross. Through the cross. You see, the cross brought forgiveness for us. And the moment we were forgiven, Satan had no more legal right over us. So his authority was removed. Going all the way back to Adam. Adam's forgiveness was received to the cross. So Satan lost all that he gained in the garden. Colossians 1.13 Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So we are delivered from Satan and demons and transferred into Christ's kingdom. We are no longer under the authority of demons and Satan himself. No, we have authority over him now. The same verse, the New Living Translation says, For God has rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who brought our freedom, who bought our freedom with his blood and forgave us all our sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke ten nineteen says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus said that in Luke ten nineteen, He gives us authority over all the power of the devil, to walk on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So we don't do that with our feet. We do it with our mouths, our tongue. All right, let's go back to Kenneth Hagin. Now, this is not part of that vision. I'm going to talk about something different here. But Kenneth Hagin said he was standing at the bedside of a dying man. When the man died, a demon jumped out of the dead man's body and onto him. Kenneth Hagin immediately spoke to this demon and said, No, you don't. No, you don't, devil. I resist you in the name of Jesus. And it immediately left him. Now, when I cast out demons from people in meetings, I like to get people into unity in the spirit. Fellowshipping with other Christians is wonderful. It's all godly and scriptural and blessed. Laughing with other Christians is wonderful, it's godly and blessed. However, we do not do that in a service when God's ministering, the Holy Ghost is ministering from the platform. We pay attention, we are engaged, we participate in what God is doing with, through the preacher and whatever have you. Fellowshipping and laughing while the preacher is laying hands on the sick or casting demons out, is showing disrespect to the Holy Spirit who is at work at that moment. 
It's showing disrespect to the Holy Spirit who's doing the work at that moment. Remember, Jesus said, I cast out demons by the finger of God. And it's the Spirit of God, family, that's casting these demons out. God's at work. And when you cast a demon out, if you're laughing and joking and messing around, not paying attention, that's disrespect to the Holy Spirit. That demon can go right out there and enter you. And I've seen that happen. I cast a demon out of a man in San Antonio, and a month later, his daughter came to me and said, because this man had epilepsy, and, the, and his daughter did not. So I cast the demon out of this man. And uh, a month later, this woman came to me and said, can you help me? I've got epilepsy. I said, when did you get epilepsy? So the daughter of the, of the father had it, and he's free now. And uh, she said, the same day that my father got free. I got epilepsy. That demon went from him into her. And I've seen that happen through the years. We can't disrespect the Holy Spirit when he's working. So in the service, when I say, please pay attention, participate, it's for that very reason. The demon can enter the person. And number two, if you want a fellowship, dismiss yourself from the meeting, go outside into the mall and fellowship there. And you can fellowship there till the cows come home. If a demon leaves somebody in the service, it won't bother you because you are respecting the work of God in action. All right? If the Holy Spirit is moving and people are laughing because they are filled with joy, that's fine because they are in the unity of what the Holy Spirit is doing. So somebody could be lying on the floor laughing and you're casting a demon out here. That's different because he's in the... Spirit of God's anointing is upon him. However, if while the pastor's casting demons out and folks are talking, laughing, and joking, or just fellowshipping in the meeting, that's dangerous. A demon could go right out and enter that person who's showing disrespect. So that's why I say to the congregation, if you want to fellowship, go outside into the mall and do it there. Those that remain in the service must stay in unity and harmony with what is happening on the platform. I always say to a demon after casting it out, I command you in the name of Jesus to leave this building and this property. Leave the building and leave this property. And he does. If anyone is in unity, when I say that, they'll be fine. If the people are talking outside in the foyer, they'll be fine. They're in submission and not showing disrespect the demon will have to leave the property. We have already learned how important it is to deal immediately with thoughts that Satan puts in our mind. You saw that happen with a lady. When the demon came and sat on her shoulder and said, you are a beautiful woman in the world, you could have fame and popularity and, and be rich, she did not resist it, or she did initially twice, two different times. The third time it came back, she started thinking about it. So whatever negative thought or thought of doubt, unbelief, or wrong thought, evil thought, the devil puts in our mind, and he does. He puts them in our mind. We ought to immediately resist that thought. Just speak to it. Say, I resist that in the name of Jesus. That's all you have to do. And he will flee. One, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God 
for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So there are thoughts that come into our mind who have to bring them into captivity to obedience of Christ. So when thoughts come, we know that they're not in harmony with the Word of God. We just say, I resist that thought in the name of Jesus. Don't accept it. Don't entertain it. Don't meditate on it. Don't start fantasizing. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. That's talking about resisting the thoughts of demons and Satan in the name of Jesus. Any thought or idea that comes into your head which contradicts the Word of God must be cast down, brought into obedience to Christ. And the way we do that is just speak to that thought, tell that thought, I rebuke you, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I resist that thought in Jesus' name. Now, if anybody says anything negative to you or anything negative about you or you hear that somebody has done that, speak to it right away. Even if you do it under your breath, just say, I resist that thought in the name of Jesus. I do not accept it. Immediately under your breath, speak out and declare the promise of God's blessing on your life to counteract that curse, bring it into captivity. So they say, you're going to fail, you're not going to make it. You say, no, I can do all things through Christ, I'll succeed. You just quote the Word of God in their place. Sometimes you have to do it to their face because don't let that curse come on you. Don't accept it. Don't say nothing. Say, no, no, that's, that's not going to happen. God's on my side. He's going to provide for me, protect me, take care of me, whatever. Say something. Isaiah 45, sorry, Isaiah 54 and verse 14. It says, In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Say, so this oppression comes because of fear. You see, when folks get afraid, it opens the door for the devil to attack. Because fear is actually a spirit. All right, verse 14. Now go to verse 15. It's still Isaiah 54. Verse 15. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. This is talking about the problems that Satan brings in your life and demons. God says they will surely come. Problems will come. Demons will come. But they won't assemble against you because of me. I'm not sending them. Then verse 17, go there please. Then God said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, shall succeed. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. So here God is saying, any tongue that says anything negative about you, to you, or judges you wrongly in any way, any tongue, you must condemn it. You shall condemn. In other words, you shall speak out against it and say, I do not accept that. Don't let that curse stick on you. Unfortunately, children have had that happen at school. The teacher says things like, you're dumb and stupid, you're never going to make it. 
never going to be good at sports, whatever the case might be. And the kids believe that. They don't know any better. We ought to train our children with what we're hearing here in a level that they can understand us. Teach them and train them not to accept curses as children grow, they grow up and those thoughts stay with them and, and, and they make decisions in life based on these hurts and thoughts that they've had for years which are ungodly and unscriptural. It hinders their future. They don't make it. They don't fulfill their destiny because of this. Please help them. Now, no weapon shall form against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. This is your right. This is what you've legally inherited, God said. Amen. We must boldly speak out against fear. Speak out against unbelief. Any thought that's doubt or unbelief that comes to you, any thought of fear, of lack, speak to it. It's the devil. Any unscriptural thought or idea, speak to it. Don't let it stay in your mind. Don't meditate and think about it. We must also speak out and bind immediately any curse spoken against us. Binding it in the name of Jesus, it is up to us to condemn that statement. In other words, render it helpless, useless by quoting the word of God. Praise the Lord. So um, now at this point in time, we'll continue on with our subject about uh, this subject, about demons and all that, uh, in this part five, in part six, which I'll do when I get back to San Antonio, once our time with you in celebration is done, we'll come back to San Antonio and I'll do, the following Sunday, I'll do the next part on this series for you, okay? But now for today, uh, what we're gonna do is uh, we're going to do the altar call. And then I'm about to come forward to, to be prayed for. So anybody who wants to be prayed for can come forward off the altar call. And if you go in the altar call, you can still come for prayer after that. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. So every head bowed, every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I don't know where I'm going when I die. So if that's you this morning, you need to make this right. You can't just walk out here and die and go to hell. That's terrible. That is terrible. There's nothing worse you can imagine in your mind. So let's sort that out right now. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'm looking, Jesus is looking, and uh, I'm going to Pray a prayer now, and God's going to speak to your heart and let you know that you are going to heaven, that you are His child, that you are forgiven. If that's what you desire, you desire to have that understanding in your heart, you want that peace in your heart, you want that assurance in your heart today, then before I pray, I'm going to give you opportunity to invite God to give you that assurance. 
And uh, he's not going to come into your heart and give it to you without invitation. So I'm going to count to three to give you the opportunity to invite him to speak to you by simply raising your hand. By the upraised hand, that's the indication to God. God, I invite you to speak to me in my heart and give me the assurance that I am going to heaven one day. All right? So while the heads are bowed now and eyes are closed everywhere, I'm going to count to three. Slip those hands up when I count. You ready? One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Keep those hands raised now. There's more of you that need to slip your hand up. Go ahead right now in the name of Jesus. Slip those hands up. There's my hand, Dr. Theo. I want to be sure that I go to heaven one day. I don't want to burn in the fires of hell. Can you help me? Yes, I can. Put those hands up right now. God give you the assurance of your salvation. Thank you. All right. Now I invite you all to say this little prayer with me, please, everybody. And uh, our leaders are going to put their hands on your shoulders to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I say this little prayer. So as I pray this prayer, I invite everybody present to say the prayer with me, especially all of you that have your hands raised. And there's a whole bunch of you here this morning. And... Uh, so all of you say this prayer, especially you that have your hands raised. Let's talk to God from the heart now and say this after me, sentence for sentence. You ready? Here we go. Everybody, please. Dear God in heaven. Let's do that again. Dear God in heaven. Thank you for sending Jesus. He died on the cross in my place. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Save my life. Thank you, Jesus. I declare Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. I will live for you, Jesus, with all my heart till I see you face to face in heaven one day. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, forgiving me, accepting me as God's child. Praise God. I am saved. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com